I think next year is going to be a difficult year for many agents on the aggregate, on a macro level. So uh, we all know the rates are up. We all know that mortgages are more expensive. Just traditionally speaking, I'm not talking about the billionaires that are cash buyers, but just on the aggregate across America. What I also predict next year will be a tightening of belts from a financial perspective from the consumer side. So there will be, obviously, credit card rates are higher. Other loan obligations are higher. Car loans are going to be higher. So there'll be a, a little bit of a tightening in, in, in the belt amongst those that could have bought next year. Uh, they may be tightening it up a little bit from a budget standpoint and a purchase standpoint. So I don't predict an economic crash. I don't predict a, a housing market decline by uh, a large margin. Next year, I think, is all about, if you put it in sports terms, making sure that everybody can hit their base runs, get to first base. Do not get a double play. You know, you can't afford a double play. And uh, bunt the ball. If, if man's on first, no outs, bunt the ball. Try to steal second. You know, just play kind of conservatively. And I feel that that's where the housing market and brokers dealing with the housing market are going to have to strategize with uh, as we move into 2023. This is Sean McPeak with Sirhan in New York City, and you're listening to The Real Talk Podcast. Welcome to another episode of The Real Talk Podcast, coming to you live and direct from New York City. We are recording at an undisclosed location. No, I'm just kidding. This is actually the Compass headquarters, and we have been infiltrated by my good friend Sean McPeak today, an ex-Compass broker, now one of the top brokers at Sir Hant. We're going to ask him a lot of questions, but before we get there, the show is brought to you by nobody. We have no sponsors. This is a self-produced podcast, self-post-produced talk podcast with the talk team. I'm here with my team, Danielle Stout. Hey, Danielle. hey everyone. And Ray, who is also helping out. Say hello, Ray. Hey, what's up? And obviously, I'm here with my... Our good friend McPeak. McPeak does not need a lot of introductions. He is a top broker, social media influencer, one of the most rapidly successful agents that I know. We'll ask him a lot of questions today, but please follow him on social media on Instagram at Sean underscore McPeak. That's Sean underscore McPeak. Or you can follow his real estate team or both. His real estate IG handle is at McPeak team. McPeak, I always like to joke around his name. He has not peaked in his career. Still a very young man, a very young professional, and his McPeak is still, I would say, very far away. So, Sean, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for the warm introduction. Yes, sir. Uh, how was Miami Art Basel? Art Basel was lit. Um, <laughs> it, it was it, it was fun. It's always fun to just check out new artists, uh, go to like awesome parties, see cool people. Uh, you Half of New York's down there, so you pretty one much of the best. One. Yeah, one of the best, best events of the year. Yeah. Where'd you go? Did you go to Fountain Blue? Did you go to... Yeah, I stayed at Fountain Fiena? Blue. Oh, you stayed at the Fountain Blue. Did yeah. you go to Live? I did not go to Live. Mm, okay. No. Uh, live, I avoided live, that. Yeah. Live would have been lit, probably. Yeah, a little too lit for me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, you're not 22 anymore. No. 24, though. <laughs> Fiena? In the back room there, or no? Uh, I stopped by. I mean, I, I hit... You know, I mostly just went to go see art, um, saw some music out in Halea, mm. some venues out there, had a few friends uh, DJing out Was there. That, is that in the Wynwood district or is that on South Beach? Uh, it's just it's just west of Wynwood. Okay. Yeah. Nice. What's going on with this year? 2022, you got any personal wins for you? I mean, um, I mean you moved to Sirhan about 
Two uh, years ago two years, yeah, yeah, two, two years, years ago. One 20, of the first. Yeah, so I was. I think I was the third agent team to join Ryan um, at the end of 2020. Early believer. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I was ready to make a transition, and, um, you know, he came calling at the right time mm. and, um, you know, had some good opportunities, and I just felt like his business model and philosophies really uh, mirrored mine, and I felt like I could... Uh, supercharge my kind of marketing tactics with his resources and it's been good. One of the most interesting things that I've seen across all agents in 2022 was their rapid rise to try to be internet famous. Okay. Okay. You were already there. I mean, I don't know. Every listing you get, you try to make viral, right? right. You've kind of already been there. You've been like the, uh, the social media uh, campaign master for listings and for yourself. So, did you have any, let's just say, social media wins in 2022 that you would like to talk about? Uh, yeah, I mean, we we sold a a, a, a tough listing at Morgan Lofts on 36th Street. Tough building to sell. Shout out Tim Rothman. Used to be, uh, used yeah, to be so we, I, I had been a sales director there prior to joining Ryan That's right. at Sirhant. Yeah, um, tough on, building to on sell. some old developer foreclosed units with the bank, so it was, it was a difficult Why is it process. so tough to sell there? Is it because it's Murray Hill? Um, it was issues with the original offering plan. Um, the, the original developer was in arrears on common charges and taxes. Oh. For a while, and then you know the the listings needed to be updated and renovated a little bit, not fully renovated, right. but because the com the conversion there was what the original conversion was like 2010 or 11 yeah, or something. It was like right there, wow, no, like right in like the great financial crisis. That's yeah, right. So it's been a minute. Um, so yeah, I mean we're still feeling the effects on that on multiple properties across the city. Um, so we took a listing there. We, you know, we put uh, we put in a lot of work, did a lot of um, marketing activation, staging and brought in a ton of influencers, including art influencers, and uh, we rocked the listing, got sold after it was on the market for almost 300 days with uh, someone else. What kind of influencers does that entail? Like, what are we talking about? We're um, talking about influencers in fashion, Yeah, we, we yes. food, like what are we talking about? Yeah, we had food, we had uh, Something Good Hospitality, did a marketing uh, with Chef Raff, did a marketing activation, you know, they have like 90,000 followers locally. Mm. Um, we brought in Giancarlo Perch and a couple other you know, he, he sells sneakers on StockX. We have a couple other um, people we brought in, including um, the DeLamps children who are artists. So uh, Countess Luann, you might know from Real Housewives. Her kids, they're artists. So we brought in their artwork, featured them. Did some Real Housewife activations, very small. Um, so we just, we'd like to bring a lot of different attention to our listings, maybe not directly real estate, but uh, just, you know, just getting people to kind of see the listings, including brokers. I mean, I. I very much uh, think that Instagram and TikTok right now are kind of like the listing systems, like another layer of the listing systems versus just sending an email blast. Right. Um, you can just show. Who wants to see an email blast anymore? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I have a filter, right? I use SaneBox, and I, you know, I, I probably have fifteen hundred emails a week go into my SaneBox filter. Jeez, um, all you do is just hit on. I mean, I'm just hitting unsubscribe all day. I don't even so bother. I mean, yeah, so, so tough. My, it gives me metrics, so I save almost three hours a week by having that filter on. So Look at that tech tool right there. One of the coolest things you've done was you did the first NFT open house that I've seen in the industry. That mm -hmm. was really cool. That was last year, right? You had the yeah. townhouse there that you sold on like the 80s or 90s. Yeah. I remember going to that open house. It was really fun. Uh, tell, tell us about that. I mean, the success in like combining these interesting figures and events with your properties. I don't see a lot of brokers doing that anymore. They'll do sushi lunches and they'll do broker tours, but that's not as fun. I mean, I, I went because I, oh, this is unique, NFT, 
uh, NFT and uh, combining artists with that in that sphere versus in a, you know doing a standard open house. So we took uh, we yeah so we took the kind of NFT crypto phase uh, craze rather, and we wanted to kind of capitalize on it for our marketing. Uh, and it just turns out there are a lot of brokers, developers, and buyers out there who really want to learn about the NFT industry and what other applications there are for the technology. We have an amazing artist, uh, Bermano, who uh, has been quite successful selling NFTs and we use his art to stage a lot of our properties. Uh, so I thought, why not marry all of these worlds? And we had a killer open house, you came. I mean, I, we had over 150 people attend. Um, oh, it was huge, packed. Yeah, packed which that. is big for an open house. Especially for dark, cold night. I remember it was like a fall. Yeah, like, it was fall. It's it was, not like the best day. Yeah, $8.8 million house. Yep. Uh, which typically you don't generate that much traffic for, but... Uh, yeah, I know. It's we, so tough. Then. Yeah, so we captured a lot of momentum. And I think, you know, my philosophy is just kind of get the energy flowing through the property, get people in the door no matter what, and sometimes no matter who in certain cases, um, and just get activity, get feedback, get more social media kind of recognition, and people go back to their offices and they tell other brokers, and, you know, sometimes you just get offers appearing out of thin air, it seems like, so... It definitely got people talking about that sphere, was the buyer there at the open house? Uh, so, yeah. So, <laughs> we had two buyers with offers who actually came by during the open house. Wow. Um, and I just think that it just kind of created like a validation with them. We reinvited everybody who had interest and a lot of them came. Uh, so, it, it helped almost reinforce the interest that was already there um, and helped us sell the house. Dude, how cool was that? Switching gears, we're going to pivot. Any personal wins this year outside of uh, social media and, and work? Uh, personal wins. Uh, yeah, I'm renovating my That's uh, right. apartment. There you go. Right now, you live so. you live above the old Harley Davidson store, which the yeah. location shall be named nameless. Yeah, I'm sure but, some yes. of you figure it out. But uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, so I'm finishing up a renovation there. I was just uh, over there prior to coming here, and uh, got my floors in and gonna be ready for uh, the deep house warming with That's, real top. Aren't you adding a uh, a bathroom or something? Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> yeah. Oh, adding like a shower to a half. Jeez, man, that's amazing. Uh, well, congrats on all of that. Thanks, man. Uh, any personal losses that you learned from in 2022? Personal losses? Uh, yeah, I just, you know, I learned... Everyone that, takes sales. Come on now. You know, we're no, I think, I think as, I mean, brokers speak, if there's brokers listening, I think just having very um, clear contracts, um, NDAs, and uh, just things of that nature. Um, to within make sure your team or within your clients? Um, in my team, yeah, yeah I think okay. just if people want to exit, I think there's a smoother way to do it, and the way you do it is by planning for it. Um, and I just think in this new age of social media and media and content, um, a lot of things need to be covered that we weren't covering in contracts 10 years ago, and that's just something I learned. Right, okay, great. Let's, let's switch gears into our main focus. We're talking about, this is an end of the year wrap up pod, so we're talking about Business and real estate, winners and losers in 2022. We're talking about biggest wins, biggest losses for 2022. And also, I want Sean's outlook on 2023. What's going on in the future in business, in real estate? Who do you think will be the, the winners? Who do you think the losers? So we're going to get into the meat of that. So my question to you, my first question to you is, who are the biggest winners in real estate in 2022? Now, it can be local, it could be on a, on a national level, it could be on a global level. Yeah. You know, you can talk about Blackstone and their wins, you could talk about, you know, who are the biggest winners Do in your eyes? <laughs> Blackstone never loses, right? Uh, I, I would say landlords are the big winners um, from the beginning of the year. Wholeheartedly uh, agree. 
if uh, you bought a property though, and with last year's projections or earlier this year's uh, pro formas in place, then you might be a little disappointed uh, this month. But I would any say any specific landlords, any neighborhoods in particular, or just overall. I'd say overall, I mean, people are getting record rents, right? right. So I think that people that leased out apartments with, um, you know, probably two months prior to, the, you know, just uh, beginning of the year to about uh, August probably did really well and probably have higher paying tenants than they ever did before. That's right. I definitely agree. Uh, I would say even going, adding on to that, maybe the biggest winners were people that bought and tax abated buildings in 2000. Uh, 18, 17, 18, 19, and even 2021. 20, mm -hmm. Tax evaded buildings in Brooklyn, uh, they probably even got reaped higher rewards just because of the lower overhead and the higher rents that they were able to Yeah, I, and I think there's parts of Brooklyn that are significantly more pricey than prime parts of Manhattan right now. 100%, yeah, okay, good. Uh, biggest loser in real estate in 2022? Biggest loser? Um, Feel free to call them out. <laughs> Um, you know, I think I think Zillow, Open Door, nice. uh, these kind of um, I buyer losses yep. that started mounting last year as the market was shifting are um, are finally going to be done with. I why do you think year. they're? Why do you think they Zillow lost so so badly on the, on I buying? I don't think you can scale single family development very easily. Um, you can't just use a spreadsheet and go into random markets and expect the same results because every municipality is its own fiefdom and every contractor, uh, you know, approval process, uh, expediter, what have you, uh, permitting is totally different. So you need experts on the ground everywhere. And I think just blindly sending out billions of dollars in offers just because your estimate was at a certain level isn't going to guarantee your return. Uh, I don't think they understand that they're not making money on the, many of the acquisition prices. And then these renovations and projects are much more involved on a single family basis than uh, you know it would be to just like build multifamilies. Right. I think Zillow and Open Doors are in the same issues. The problems, the problem with those companies are they try to be market makers and ended up failing. Uh, you cannot set the market. The market dictates your moves. You cannot try to set the market with just money. True. In your opinion, the biggest winner in business overall, not real estate related, in 2022. The biggest winner in business. <clears throat> That's a good question. Um, and just an example, talking about Black Friday. You know, people that are online retailers, because Black Friday had like some of the biggest you know sales in in history of, of Black Friday. Uh, we're talking about you know automotive dealerships. Home builders. I, I would no. say I would say short sellers. Short sellers very okay. well. Um, and I would say uh, the former owners of Twitter stock. I'd say did pretty well. They exited at forty four billion, which is uh, much higher than what the published markets would suggest. That's right. But sure. that was bought for different reasons. So I think you can make that argument that the people that actually sold off their companies and maybe exited certain industries. Uh, did very well. Anyone that shorted any real estate stock or any tech stock did very well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. And I'll talk about compass stock, huh? Well, maybe you won't talk about that at all. Biggest real estate surprises in 2022? Uh, the biggest real estate surprise? Yes. I would say I would say the uh, the market shift, how quickly it came. Mm -hmm. uh, it wasn't totally surprising at certain price points. Uh, I was on another podcast in February saying that the low end would be very much affected in New York City and the high end maybe not so much because... Yeah our high-end clientele are still getting preferential interest rates. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes the monthlies don't affect them as much as someone who's just, you know, buying their first home. Right. I agree with that. I think through, in the March saw the biggest jump in interest rate 
mortgage interest rate increases in history of interest rates being recorded. So, you know, in a in the hundred year lifespan or the modern times of loans being given out for homes, we have never seen such a rapid rise, almost double, in a course of uh, thirty days. And this was in March, and that's according to uh, what Refkin was saying a few weeks ago. Next, the best new trend in real estate. <clears throat> the best new trend in real estate. Yes, sir. In negotiability. <laughs> uh, I like that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's no longer a uh, overbidding market. Yeah, no, it's, no it's nice to negotiate again. The best new trends. Uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of these like re-engineered uh, apartments where you have like flexible furniture and closet spaces. Ori is a, a company doing this where you have like the beds drop out the ceilings. You have desks that open up into closets. I've never that, seen it in person, only on Instagram. Yeah. I, what is it like in person? Uh, it's really cool. Um, the only issue with some of these things is like the mattress, for instance, you use can only be their brand of mattress because uh, of like the weighting of the way the whole pulley system works. Ah. But uh, I'm a big believer in re-engineering apartments and opening up spaces. And I think we do it every day, especially if you're working with a high volume of renters, you're kind of helping people like decorate their house. Where does my couch fit? Where does my bed go my dresser and I think they actually can fit a lot more furniture and storage into like a smaller apartment and I even think it applies to larger apartments so I really like that trend that's would you do like an Ori type living in your own apartment a hundred percent yeah okay yeah maybe not for my uh primary bedroom but for everything else the home office secondary bedroom yeah I would would really like that actually so we're talking about cabinets that pull out that turn into desks Murphy beds or desks or beds that actually slide in or out from the ceiling or from the wall, right? We're talking various metrics of Lego-fying of room so that you can convert it to multiple spaces. Yeah, so you can have you can have a desk that is against your wall and then it pulls out from your wall and then it has two side walk-in closet inside mm-hmm. of it. Have you gotten quotes from that yet? Uh, yeah, they're not horrible. I mean, it's a little bit prohibitive if you're doing it on scale right now because it's a small company yeah, out of Brooklyn. It's so customized, right? But I think, I think there's a lot of value in that long term and I do think... Um, if you're going to go the micro apartment route or if you're trying to get, like extract a lot of value out of your units or if you're just looking for something really uh, splashy and press or media, it might be a good way to kind of reinvigorate sections of your building. So I think there's like some, some value there. Sean, always coming up with the, the, the most innovative things to say. All right. This is not, this is not a cookie cutter statement or you're living. I didn't even think about that. Smart. Maybe we should get them on the podcast one day. Let's see. Worst trend in real estate in 2022. <laughs> Uh, the worst. Too, many, too many influencers. Uh, yeah, too many influencers. <laughs> yeah, too many fake followers. Yeah. Um, oh wow, fake followers. Uh, the worst. The worst trend in real estate. I would just say um, it, it kind of started in the last year and a half, but just a lot of agents uh, walking into the industry thinking that it didn't take any work to complete transactions. I know a lot of people that came in last year, earlier this year, that got their first client, closed them within a couple days, and began you know, closing and like, this is so easy. I just showed them three houses, we got a bidding war and then they bought, you know? Mm. Um, so I think success is a poor teacher. And I think a lot of people oh, are go- about to exit the industry. So. Success is a poor teacher. Do you really think that all of these influencers that came into the industry are actually closing on the deals or are actually as successful online as a new agent than they seem? I don't think so. I think there's a lot of smoke and mirrors as with many things that are said and done in real estate uh, from the agent side. Uh, I think, you know, a lot of them are used as supplements to teams. You know, I think 
there's a lot of that, um, you know, around different companies. And I think there is a lot of value in hiring some of them, but they have to be willing to work. Mm -hmm. uh, some of them think that just making videos or making posts um, is going to uh, generate income or sales, and that's not the case. You still need to have a skill of a veteran broker on the other side in order to complete transactions. And transactions are harder to do now than uh, you know a few years ago, in my opinion. I think and a little more there's a little more friction. Um, yeah, there's each, hair in every deal. deal. Man. Yeah, it's not it's every not easy, especially with financing right now. Um, a lot of banks are pulling out, or you know, you get six weeks down the road and they want to hire. Uh, down payment, for instance, and I think that if you don't have a veteran uh, agent involved, you're not going to get the financing, or you're not going to be able to close a client, or get the client what they right. want. So yeah, I, yes and no. There's some value to a real estate influencer, but not without an experienced broker involved. Okay, that's very well said. Let's switch gears to next year. Can you predict for me who the biggest winner in real estate will be in 2023? I think I think people buying, you know, foreclosures. Um, Ooh, where do well? Uh, I think I just so parts of the country that are a little overbuilt. Um, I think catching people running for the exits, uh, you'll be able to buy real estate from people that are absolutely need to sell right now. Mm -hmm. uh, you don't see a lot of it in New York City because a lot of people have the kind of finance. You don't see a lot of foreclosures in New York City. No, and you don't I see a lot of people. Courts, but it's you don't see a lot of people with liquidity issues, right? Because yep. people have high income plus they own the real estate, so right. it's not like they have to liquidate. Um, the people that do have to liquidate are going to create the winners next year. People that are going to have to liquidate are going to be the creators. Do you think a specific micro market in America? Can you think of one, or do you think just on the aggregate? Uh, I think I think people that have to uh, switch cities for jobs, mm -hmm. um, who are going to have to sell in order to buy or to rent right. or do whatever, they're going to have to sell for less than what they bought for. So there's always going to be a cross section of people that are going to have to sell at that moment, no matter what. Um, and then if there are further layoffs, I'd say those people, yeah, those two. And, okay. and there's going to be a lot of opportunistic people. I think the, um, the market cycle of the last 15 years has taught our generation a ton about, about the way these things work. And I think there's going to be people waiting on the sidelines for the last couple of years, you know, doing the education and learning the markets. So we're going to be able to capitalize on what's going on right now. Okay, good. If you had a million bucks to invest in real estate next year, where would you buy and why? Where would I buy? Uh, I would buy in locations that are about to um, close large infrastructure projects. All right, keep going. Uh, Delve so into it for me. There's places in you know North Carolina. If you look at like where Amazon's kind of opening up massive warehouses, sure. which usually means that Arlington, Virginia. Yeah. Okay, so they're about to do massive uh, infrastructure projects, about to complete, and I think that's going to be um, where you're going to find really um, inexpensive real estate right now. And then the, you know, opportunity to lease it out either to industrial or build residential is going to be huge. You heard the weatherman here first. Can you predict the biggest loser in real estate in 2022? Biggest. Call loser. him out, baby. I mean, I think I kind of went over them. Uh, the biggest loser next year. It's hard to say. Um, I think I think some I think some brokerages are going to fall on hard times, but I think brokerage business, much like the development business, is very boom and bust. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think anyone with extraordinary uh, overhead is going to have a tough time. So are you talking about NRT or Yeah, I think all these... Vector uh, Group. And I think a lot of these big big box firms have a... I mean, I don't know about Vector. I think they're just aggressively expanding, but their business models kind of remain the same. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, they're opening up new offices in, I think, Austin and yeah. other places that... 
that, that we're in. Yeah, I think I think anyone would. I don't think they go in with a ton of like huge. They do open offices, but I don't think they open like tons of huge offices. Um, I just think that people that overspent during this like latest boom cycle are gonna feel the pain. Right. I don't have names, but brokerages. I think we see them. We see them splashing money and throwing, you know, trying gimmicks and opening up huge offices, and I don't think it's gonna really last. On a New York City real estate brokerage level, what projects? do you foresee new developments do you foresee next year to be the best selling project and why the best selling project right so we're talking about anything right it could be new development only new development, new so development you could yeah. talk about one manhattan square to the courtland to uh you know the the zeckendorf uh new, de- new developments in the upper side so like, yeah. what, what do you think will be the most successful and why yeah I, actually i do think you know the zeckendorf projects are gonna be very interesting especially the one downtown classic Classic, timeless uh, but, buildings. But uh, I would say, you know, there's a lot of new developments popping up in Astoria. Oh. And um, I think there's a neighborhood that's kind of uh, growing around some of these new projects. And um, So you're bullish in Astoria? I'm bullish on Queens, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of good housing stock. There's a lot of sites. Um, and then just have like kind of like that Williamsburg coffee house, artist, music kind of crowd. Um, up there uh, because the prices are a little lower for a while and I think that you're going to have like this like cool factor developing and it's going to become I think it's very apparent to people who live there but like the Manhattan people who are looking to kind of get out um, who just you know that natural kind of migration into the outer boroughs mm-hmm. I think they're going to start really looking at Astoria because the food's amazing it always has been the transportation's solid and now there's going to be tons of other stuff to do too and you have ferries ferry networks that are connecting them yeah. On, on both sides of the island as well. Mm-hmm. So that makes sense. And you're a big ferry guy, right? Big ferry guy. Love the, love the ferry. Always ride it. Almost, I would say a couple times a week. Tell me what your future goals are as a team operator, owner, as a real estate business operator. What, what are your future goals are for you, yourself, your team for 2023? Uh, I think... You know, for personally, my, my, my goal as an operator is to have, you know, automations kind of up and running on listing systems and a lot of like the influencer marketing things I do, it's kind of always been kind of in bouncing around my head and not necessarily systematized. So I've been kind of working on systematizing that and kind of being able to train my agents up on how to not only list a property, but to, you know, put that extra marketing on it that really makes owners happy, especially in a kind of slower market and uh, brings extra attention in and, you know, extra sales. Yeah, I agree. I agree. With teaching agents, do you have a specific, what do you do, technique? Do you time block? Do you just go with the flow? Do you just have them shadow you the entire time? You know, running your own business and training at the same time is oftentimes the hardest thing to do because you have to close your own deals. You know, what do you have any, what's your advice on that? Uh, so at Sirhan, I have, so everyone gets access to the sell like Sirhan systems, uh, which people pay like thousands of dollars. What is that? For. Is that a coaching program? It's, it's not, it's not coaching. It's, um, it's a, actually, a, it's a, it's like, it's kind of like a big video module. Um, so like the base level one is like almost 70 videos that you watch and there's a bunch of different worksheets and how to time block your day. Um, Ryan has something called like find your keeper doer just different tasks you can time block mm-hmm. um, and when to use your time uh, most effectively for those things so like if you're doing finances if you're doing prospecting you're doing re- outreach or you're actually operating your business or showing negotiating running comps whatever it is um, that time blocking so uh, if someone joins my team I give them 30 days to finish that program 
um, you know, there's no real consequences. I'm just not really probably going to, you know, put you on listings right. if you're not showing some initiative. Right. I mean, I think if you're very serious about doing well, you'll finish it in less than 14 days. But uh, there's a bunch of other modules on it, like personal branding and some other di different things that are super cool that we get as part of being agents at the firm. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm a big believer in completing that and, and watching videos a few times so you really understand uh, them. So that's like the, that's like part one of my listing or my uh, training system. Mm -hmm. um, and then shadowing. I'm really big on shadowing, listening on phone calls, and then um, just one-on-one -on -one training, just like kind of case by case, like based on what they're working on. Right, okay. You know, one of the interesting things that I heard when I had Matt Spangler mm -hmm. on my podcast, it was his basically exit podcast. So right. he was he wasn't a staff anymore at that point in time. He's mm -hmm. going to he was able to give more of a neutral view, a bird's eye view on the industry. And he did mm -hmm. say what Compass does well caters to what Compass does well. Right? Te the tech the back end tech for its agents and all that. But what Compass doesn't do well that Sirhan does really well is perhaps on the front end, on the consumer marketing side. Mm -hmm. So you guys do way better videos. Yeah. You guys have a video suite, right, in your, in your company. You guys yeah. have um, people that are better at social media than mm -hmm. Compass. Those are things that I really admire about your move from a big box company like Compass that, that we are to a basically a startup mm -hmm. at Sirhan. From your point of view, from being at both companies, you know, what do you think is the major difference maker that uh, you guys offer at Sirhan to other agents versus like what we do? Well, I think there's a lot of similarities. Uh, I think we were both at Compass early days. You know, I was like number 39 and you were yep. probably number 20. No, I was like three, two, number two. Uh, number two. Yeah. Number two. It's Halpern. Okay. It's Halpern, yeah. Okay. Um, Halpern was one. All right, so it was Dr. Evil and then there was you. That's uh, right. <laughs> uh, Shout out. Shout out, Steve. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think... There's a lot of similarities to the way uh, Sirhan's been operating the last couple, uh, you know, the, the first year I was there is very similar to Compass, you know, it was very startup-y, we, we were building out an office, we switched offices, you know, the same type of stuff we all did here. Um, and then just the difference between starting there and starting here was when it was Urban Compass and Compass, we were telling people about it. You know, that's the main thing, like with Sirhan, like the brand was already super strong. Uh, so we we really uh, had an advantage. So in Hit terms the of running, it's not yeah, a startup. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't. It was a lot of there's a lot of inbounds um, just because of the name to uh -huh. begin with. Yeah. Uh, and then the tools like this film studio, um, they just have some really talented people that work there. And they did, what enables us to have such a robust film studio is that it's working on different revenue generators, right? It's a sell like Surahan vertical. It's you know social media itself generates. Uh, income uh you know like youtube views and stuff like that there's different brand deals and endorsements and you know uh you know a la carte services that some people can get from it um certain developers uh so yeah i mean i think that is the most important thing when you're trying to sell real estate is to be the most visible have the best marketing and be building a personal brand and that's kind of like the um, the mantra of like the whole business is to really support your personal brand, get out there, have ridiculously good quality video. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of the difference I would say. Um, and I think that should be the emphasis for anybody and anyone can sign up for 
you know, sell like Sirhan. I mean, you don't have to work there. No, I mean, uh, we have a lot of Compass agents from around the country, not so much New York based, but mm-hmm. um, Florida, Boston, people like that. Like they're all over the place, so they're they're part of the Selwick Sirhan community too. And um, I think, especially for agents outside of New York City, it's super helpful because they're doing referral deals. So they pay for the program, but they're generating business inside the program by itself. So it's, it. so it's basically it's similar it. to like a Tom Ferry network. It, it right. is. It's really similar, um, but it's really different because you have a top broker kind actually of doing it. Right. Right. And I think that's... No disrespect to Tom Ferry, but yes. No, I mean, I it's agree. different. He's not I mean, transacting it on a daily basis. Well, it's different. It's different from every company, right? Because you have a broker who's uh, kind of setting the tone marketing-wise, so that helps. Right. Yeah. Okay, good. I know you're a busy man, so I'm, we're not going to keep you too long, but I do want to wrap up with two more questions. So this is a one yeah. single question, two-part question. Going into 2023, give me your advice to agents that are breaking into the business. Mm-hmm. Hey, we're one to two years in. Yeah. And then the second part is, give me advice that you would give to agents going to 2023 that are, let's just say, 10 to 15 years in the business. Okay. Someone like yourself. Okay. Uh, so my advice to agents either who have been in the business for about a year and you know are thinking about a switch to a team or people who are breaking the business is strongly consider taking on an admin role on a you know a robust team mm-hmm. um, a team that perhaps maybe you would like to emulate business from yourself one day so you see a team leader they're doing numbers or transactions a certain way that you'd like to kind of mirror um, you won't do it by yourself there's too much to learn there is no real training system um, that's going to be comprehensive enough in your market to help you get to that level so you might as well just get mentored and hopefully secure a stable income while you're doing it. And then for the agents who have been in the you know, industry over 10 years, my advice is uh, really jump on video, personal branding, and uh, really concentrate on uh, you know, building your video marketing because every business, not just real estate, is going to be leaning on video marketing soon. and. That's where all the consumers are. The most trafficked websites in the world are Instagram and YouTube. So might as well start making videos now. Videos are the way. Thank you so much for your time. Please, again, follow Sean. Find him at Sean underscore McPeak, M-C-P-E-A-K. And go ahead and follow his other account, McPeak Team, for all of his real estate needs. Do you have another TikTok or do you want to do you want to shout out something else? What do you uh, same thing. I'm, I'm a TikToker now. Yeah, you uh, are. Yeah, my TikTok, <laughs> my TikTok is mostly just a, uh, agent advice based. Um, so it's very dry type of advice um, videos. And those you have, aren't you also collaborating with another podcast yourself? Um, Soho Boys, there's that. Oh, Soho yeah. Boys, yeah. Soho Boys is like a podcast. It's like a you know community <laughs> energy. Uh, <laughs> We'll be dropping some more Soho Boys content in, uh, towards the end of the year. Cool. I'll be sure to plug that it's in. It's more tongue show. in cheek. It's not, not so it's not so dry. Okay. No, yeah. I like it. Uh, I'm more serious in, the, in Soho Boys, more entertainment, but also in the real estate space. Thank you so much for your time, Sean. And yeah, good to see you. Thank, thank you for listening. And for the second time on the Real Talk podcast, and probably the second, third, or fourth time just coming on my channel, my social channel, the natural in front of the mic has a face for video and a voice for audio. One of the long-standing early Compass agents and my good friend, Justin Rubenstein, representing New York City. Hey, Talk, how you doing? All right. Thanks for having me back. Hell yeah. Good to be here. I'm excited. Uh, Justin is such a natural and 
speaking so eloquently in front of the mic and also in front of the camera. So uh, Justin, let's start with you. Your 2022 biggest winners in real estate. I would say the biggest winners that I see in 2022 real estate are the condo and co-op sometime owners that did not sell during COVID. They didn't panic. They held on. They waited for the market to come back. And a lot of them, the ones I'm really talking about, are the ones that ended up actually, maybe they moved, but they're renting their property now. They didn't panic during COVID. They held on to it. Now they're keeping it as an investment property. The vacancy rate is super, super low in New York City. It's hard to get a good rental. And now they're getting, you know, $25,000 for a three-bedroom apartment that they might have been getting $18,000 for before or mm-hmm. use whatever use whatever price point you want. But mm-hmm. a lot of those condo owners just said, I'm not going to panic. I'll hold on. I'll wait. See what happens. Who really knew it was going to happen? The rental market cratered during COVID. Then it came roaring back. And now those people are holding on to great investment properties. Who knows what happens in the future? But a lot of those owners are locked into really good mortgage rates that they got years ago. They've got a very low carry and they've got great rental renters paying great rates in their apartments and hold on to it keep it as an investment when you're ready to sell it sell it but a lot of those a lot of those people's contemporaries sold during covid and took huge six-figure losses so you're saying in short summary that the biggest winner in real estate in 2022 are landlords owners yes i was i'm talking more specifically about yeah I guess some kind of well, right. I guess any property owners that didn't sell during COVID, yeah, mm-hmm. in okay. short order, yeah. All right, great. Uh, in your opinion, who's the biggest loser in real estate in 2022? Again, I think that that some of the biggest losers are, are were also there were panicked sellers in 2022, and interest rates went up. All of a sudden, the market was the market was very volatile this year, and people need to remember to kind of stay calm and ride out the storm, especially in New York City where you've got co-op and condo inventory that you can rent. There's not really a need for the most part to panic, and there were people that panicked again when interest rates spiked, and you saw it. I saw it in a couple of the transactions that I was close to. I saw sellers that weren't really getting what they uh, what they wanted. They didn't want to ride it out, and they had a broker they were working with, and they said, whatever, I'll just slash the price and I'll take it. And again, you saw that this year, not really in the first six months of the year when the market was pretty strong, but during the last six months of the year when sellers really didn't know where the market was headed, interest rates kept climbing and kept climbing. They said, I want to get out of it before the end of the year. And, and you saw sellers that were not, that didn't exhibit the patience and said, you know, slash the price and get out of it. Now, of course, you never know what they were going to do with their money then. Maybe they took it and invested it in the stock market and the stock market goes up. So it's always, it's always hard to see um, a few years ahead what's going to happen. Maybe those people end up doing well. But as of now, I feel like those people should have kind of held on and waited and just been patient and gotten, gotten their price for their apartment. Yeah. They've got very limited inventory in New York. Wait and find the right buyer. Yeah, patience is a virtue in real estate. The biggest winner in business in 2022? I think the biggest winner might be the airlines. Okay, all right. <laughs> Every time I went to book a flight somewhere, I was paying twice what I used to before. Um, it's impossible to get a good seat. They're able to cancel flights at their own at their own whim on their own whims. Yep. You're sitting there, you know, waiting for your flight, and then they say there's a there's a weather problem. They cancel your flight and then pack everyone onto the next plane just because they can. Um, it's got to be the airlines. They just like you know they've got everyone. Uh, they they they've got such control of the of the market. They don't. Uh, the consumer has so little control, and the airlines are making a fortune. What are you usually flying, and where are you flying to? Richmond? Uh, yeah, Richmond, Florida, Colorado. I went to a wedding in Idaho. Um, 
Texas. So it was all domestic <laughs> travel this year. Nowhere, nowhere too exciting. Okay, but the domestic. Oh travel wait, no, though. I flew to Greece actually. My oh yeah, that's right. Wedding in Greece. Your client's friends uh, or client's wedding in Greece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's right. That was great. That was a lot of fun. That must have been amazing. It was fun, but yeah, yeah it's you can't. I mean, look, there's inflation, so it costs the airlines a lot more to operate, and they've got to pay higher fuel prices. But still, I think they're ma- I think they're making record profits. It's I not agree. record profits, near record profits. I agree. Yeah, and they just have so much control over the marketplace. Okay. Number four, biggest loser in business in 2022. I mean, it seems like Meta is not a bad choice here, right? They closed their Park Avenue office. The Metaverse is a a disaster. Uh, $250 billion invested into into the Metaverse. Right, their stock price cratered. A quarter of a trillion dollars, right? To show for what? Right, so that's kind of an easy pick, right? Like, unless the Metaverse somehow turns around. You know, I'm reading this book right now. You, you might you might know it. Ready Player One. It's not brand new. It's It's been around for a few mm-hmm. years. Okay. But it takes place kind of in in this space called the Oasis, which is kind of like the Metaverse. And uh, it's really interesting to read about. But, I mean, we're so far away from, like, having what I would think of as a practical use for the metaverse. Right. Like maybe we're just not ready and maybe Zucker, Zuckerberg is able to pull it together and it's 10 or 15 years from now. But I think there was some, I saw some launch party for um, something in the metaverse like a week or two ago and like three people attended. Mm. I forget what it was. It was either a nation or a corporation that spent like $50 million or something on their launch party and three <laughs> or six people attended in the metaverse. So their stock price got cratered. Um, or, or got crushed, and the metaverse seems like it's going to be a disaster. Right, and there's so. usually offs all across the board there. So meta. Yeah, I and mean, they had this great. Been... They had a great office over there on Park Avenue. It's gone. It's too bad. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think treated. they're cutting back on some of the Hudson Yards space as well. I read or some yes, of the Chelsea it, space. Yes, they're not um, renewing their lease in Hudson Yards. Yes, right. right and yeah. They have like a million square feet there. Right. So, you know, if you're a company that spends a quarter of a trillion dollars on an investment and us retail clients don't see a direct impact, even though we're you know we use Facebook and Instagram quite often. We don't really see a direct impact on it. It you know you question like what really was happening in the back there, uh, but I agree with you. Okay, now uh, number five, the biggest real estate surprise. Did you have any surprises in 2022? A lot of speculators would have predicted that there would have been more elasticity in the New York City marketplace based on interest rates. Okay. So if you could have afforded a $500,000 mortgage before interest rates went up and now you can only afford a $350,000 mortgage, that's an enormous difference, right? That's 30% right there. Prices, prices didn't go down 30% no in New way. York. So they were much more inelastic than people would have predicted. Mm-hmm. And again, a lot of that is because you have such a strong rental marketplace in New York. So you can hold on to your apartment and you can rent it. It's harder if it's a co-op, easier if it's a condo, but you can hold on to it and rent it. And that's one of the factors there. But I think a lot of people would have predicted that our market would have been much more elastic and prices actually would have gone down much more than they did based on what happened to interest rates. Right. I agree with you. The best trend in real estate in 2022. I remember what you said last year was, do you remember? The influx of young professional class rookies getting their licenses because maybe they were inspired by television. Maybe they were inspired by, you know, Ryan Serhant's Instagram or right. know, one of those, you know, one of those TikTokers, they all come in and they want to be influencers, but they want to be in the influencers in the real estate space. So you said that was a great trend. It was. What, yeah, what, welcome, what is your trend for this year? Welcome to the club. What did you see? Those guys. The best trend I saw, and it could be it could be globally, nationally, sure, whatever locally. You want. The yeah. best trend I saw in real estate this year. We we do continue to invest in our parks here in New York. So 
you know, Little Island open. There's going to be another new park just south of Little Island on the West Side Highway at the, the park where I take my dog to in Madison Square Park. They finally opened the, the new dog run there. Oh, there's so a new I, dog run there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's pretty, cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's brand new. On the west side of the park? or uh, It's on the west side of the park. Okay. They said they spent a million dollars on it. I don't know how you spend a million dollars in a year and a half. Building, it doesn't make a lot of sense to spend a million dollars on a dog park. No, I don't know how that I, happens. It better have, like, auto washing, like, it artificial should. grass. and Yeah, it should have, like, rum on, uh, on tap. Rum on tap. Yeah, a million dollars? Like, come on now. I don't know how you spend a million dollars on that. But we continue to invest in outdoor spaces in New York. Um, Brooklyn Bridge Park is doing really well. Uh, there are other small parks you see when you're walking East around River Brooklyn. Park. Yeah, East River Complete Park. Complete overhaul. Yeah? Yeah. I didn't realize that one. Yeah, East River Park, right by the really? footbridge of the Williamsburg Bridge. Oh, really? North yeah. and south. Completely closed. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, they're overhauling it now. Overhauling it now. Okay. So I would say that like it's continued investment in infrastructure uh, in that sense, that, that the city realizes the need for outdoor space. Um, they renovated some of the uh, outdoor space down by Battery Park City as well. I was running down there recently, so it's nice to see continued investment in green space. Never saw it like that. I haven't. I actually have not thought about that at all this year. But that's a great thing to point out, um, as we all would want in our ideal world: uh, rise in real estate taxes and rise in public use spaces should be mutually exclusive. So I agree with that. Give us the. I don't know. Do you have this? The worst trend in real estate I mean, in 2022. This is, such a, this is such an easy one. It's uh, influencers on TikTok, right? <laughs> this is what you said it was the best trend in the real estate <laughs> Come last on, year. Come on, man. Like, it's just cringeworthy. Okay, tell Especially, me. Give me an example. Why is it Why is it? You just watch them, whether it's suburban or or urban. Uh-huh. Um, Do you have just, somebody specific that comes I don't, comes actually. Mind? I don't even, I don't have a TikTok account. Do you, so. But you, you browse on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. It's just, I mean, it's just people that are on Instagram or TikTok and will just say anything for likes. It's not really about the client. It's all about them getting likes. And uh, they don't know what they're talking about a lot of the times. And often, like, their presentation is just cringeworthy. So it makes us all look bad. So, so what would make you satisfied if, you, if you're a TikToker or an influencer in the real estate space? What would make me satisfied if I was one or if I'm talking if you're, about If you're seeing I, one. You know, accuracy. Accuracy? <laughs> yeah. Not just good Like, it's looking. just so much fluff. You can say whatever you want on TikTok and Instagram. That's and no right. One's, no one's ever going to, like, who cares if it's not true? Or who cares if someone calls <laughs> you out? And it's just accurate information. But that's the world we live in, right? Sure. It's not, we're not going to be able to do much about that. But I can choose it as my worst trend of 2023. Mm-hmm. It's okay. not going anywhere. All but. right. So staying into 2022, you said you had some unusual negotiations that were kind of a theme for this year. Can you tell, tell us about that? Yeah, so my biggest takeaway in 2022 was just that there was a major disconnect, and this really started to come to light uh, around the spring, late spring of 2022, that there was just a major disconnect between where buyers were and where sellers were. Okay. And I found that more than ever in my 18-year career, sellers and buyers needed a voice to be able to kind of say to them, like, well, this is, this is what the market feels like. This is where the market has been going. This is where the market is going. And this is what um, you sh- you know, this is what you should be able to expect to get for this property. And this is what the market might offer you for this property. But at the same time, I was also telling buyers and sellers, the reality is that like there is a huge disconnect right now. And if, if I'm negotiating on a buyer, if I'm negotiating on a buyer's behalf, I'm saying let's be really aggressive because we don't know how the message is being delivered to the seller right now. And they might be really anxious to sell. And if I'm representing a seller, 
I also was telling them to like kind of hold their ground, not to give in. You've always got the potential of a rental in your back pocket. But different sellers and buyers were getting different messages from different brokers. And I just experienced a really, really big disconnect. It was like, where are the comps? Well, I don't know. Where were they 30 days ago and where were they 90 days ago? How is interest rate? Interest rates were moving so quickly that people didn't really know what to make of the market. The data trailed by such a long period that by time the data came out, um, you know, contract sign reports, closing prices, by the time that data came out, the market was already moving. And I just found that sellers and buyers didn't really know which way was up. And we were able to utilize that in our negotiations this year because... Like I said, when I was representing sellers or buyers, I was really aggressive. And you just had to kind of feel your way around these negotiations because a lot of people just didn't know where the market was going. And like I said, which way was up? And I experienced that over and over, that people just couldn't get what they felt was reliable data. It's hard to predict where the market's going when in March we had the biggest jump in interest rates in the history of bookkeeping of interest rates, right? Right. Basically more than doubled. So it's like, how do you even track the market? Nobody has experienced this. There's no exactly. professional exactly. that has that, will, that can say, well, based on the history and you know my experience of 18 plus years, it's like you can't say that because exactly. it hasn't happened. So you're selling your apartment for $3 million in March and then interest rates go up and it's, what is it worth in May? Well, no one knows. Like there is no book on this. Right. So there was a huge disconnect between buyers and sellers. They're like, we don't know what it's worth. Mm-hmm. And people were transacting. A lot of people f- chose not to transact because there was so much of a disconnect. But people were transacting and just doing their best to, you know, transact at a price that they felt was fair. Sure. But very hard to, very hard to put your your finger on that. So let's talk about what, next year then. What do you predict? Who who do you predict will be the biggest winner in 2020, 2023 in the real estate market? I think it's going to be buyers that have confidence that they will be able to refinance in the future. Mm -hmm. So I'm talking about buyers that say, okay, I'm gonna buy this property right now for $150,000 less than I could have gotten it for a year and a half ago or a year ago. I am gonna pay a much higher interest rate, but I'm okay because I'm confident that in the future I'll be able to refinance. If the Fed overcorrected, interest rates will come back down, and then I guess time will tell, but we do know that they're getting a property for 10 or 15% less than they could have gotten it for a few years ago. Yes, they're paying about an equal monthly cost, but my feeling is that in the end, or in the future, those buyers will look back and feel like they made the right decision. Right, because then if the rates do stabilize or go down in three or four years, then they, they turn around to sell then you can actually recapture that on the seller. Sure, they'll be able to refinance or something else will change in the universe Mm -hmm. or in in the world of real estate or in New York City. So I feel like those buyers that take advantage of those reduced prices will be the big winners. Who will be the biggest loser in 2023? I guess the sellers of those properties. (laughs) The sellers of those properties who are in the the butt end of the deal in 2023. Are you you saying that the sellers should not be selling next year? (laughs) No, the biggest biggest losers in 2023 real estate I think are going to be investors... And, and developers that, that are over-leveraged. Sure. Yeah, because you used to be able to refinance over and over and over and get cheap money, and there are investors and developers out there that are you know, starting to really feel the strain, and they're over-leveraged, and they're not going to be able to, to continue to lever up because of interest rates. Right, so perhaps think- the over-levering of properties from one to the other might be coming to an end at least for the for the That's near right. term at least in 2023. And again going back to you know being able to use a property as an investment if you're dealing with a reseller they own a condo they own a two bed two bath condo 
and they can rent it. They've got out that they've got that option to, to just walk away and rent it. Right. And they can use that as leverage in their negotiation. Developers don't have that option. Developers aren't saying, oh, I'll rent it. Like very they rarely have a very does that happen. Time schedule. Yeah, they've got to sell it. So mm-hmm. I think you'll see over leveraged developers and investors that are uh, going to feel the crunch in 2023. What is your favorite project? Um, and you said the Shepherd last year. You were spot on. But what is your favorite project in New York City? as far as new development is concerned, going into, uh, well, starting in 2022 and going into 2023. Right. Let's talk about maybe something that you would predict to be the most successful, potentially, most successful New York City project. You know which one I really like is that one that's right on uh, Prospect Park. Is it called One Prospect Park? Probably 111 Montgomery? No, the no. other side. Um, Doug Bowen was selling it. I think it's called One Prospect Park. It was a really neat There is, yeah, there is something there. Yeah, that's a really, it used to be... Um, like a, uh, like an old age home, mm-hmm. and it's got all these unique units. They've got awesome views, looking right into right into Prospect Park. Great tree line views, great open sky. I think it's called One Prospect Park West. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a really neat development. I haven't done a deal there, but I've shown it a few times. I think they're still selling. I think I don't know if they I don't know if they sold out, but that I think people that bought there and got these nice high floor units did are going to do really well, and they got lucky. They they weren't cheap, but I think you're lucky to live there. And the yeah, so you got sixty four one bedroom, one to four bedroom units in this building. It I guess they call it the Grand Army Plaza in the Brooklyn's historic Park Slope. Yeah, it's across the street from yeah. Grand Army Plaza. Yeah, you look out at the Richard Meyer building actually. So maybe they're mostly sold, but I feel like people that, that bought there are going to be really happy. It's not that often that you get to buy in a new development across the street from a park. There's only but so many lots. There's only there, so many so. lots, right? Yeah. Right. And you know what are the you know what, what where would you want to be? Central Park, Fort Greene Park. Prospect Park. It's not going to happen on Washington Square Park. It's not going to happen on Thompson Square Park. Right, and um, the one bedrooms here. I mean, it, it, looking at the prices right here. I mean, you got uh, you know the one bedrooms on the lower floor starting at one three. Doesn't seem too much out of reality. I think it would probably would have sold pretty quickly if, if this had launched, you know, maybe earlier this year. Uh, and then you got a penthouse three bedroom here for you know three six. So seems fairly three bedroom for three six. Fairly, yeah, three what's beds, this, two and a half baths, east side eleven, seventeen, eleven square feet. That's pretty three, good six, for five. a penthouse. Mm-hmm. So three six five. So it seems fairly reasonable given the um, you know, yeah. g- given the where we are in today's market. <clears throat> I like that building. It was really neat. Like I said, it's not it's not often that you get to that you get to buy a new development right right on the park or right on the river. And if you can have that real estate, you'll always be able to sell it. Right. Right. Well, Justin, thank you so much. I appreciate your time as always. Thanks for having me, Todd. Yes, sir. And, it's uh, always a pleasure. I feel, I, I feel honored that you reached out to, to ask me to return. <laughs> it's always a pleasure. I'm so happy to be here. That's the Prediction Podcast with Justin Rubenstein. Thank you for listening.